and welcome back to What A Barb, A Pollen Podcast, a podcast celebrating all things Penelope and Colin from Netflix's Bridgerton. I'm Ops, and this week I'm joined by Lecky and Beans as we'll be discussing season one, episode two, Shock and Delight. And now for this week's crumbs. Veg, you can't stick around for the whole episode, so do you want to give us the crumbs and run? Sure. So in the world of the actors and their non-Bridgerton lives, we had Luke's show, which closed. We spoke about it, I think in episode one, that it was opening up and you've been to see it. But I also went and we saw the closing night. It was great, in my opinion. I, th- I actually really liked the play. I know that Jonathan Bailey went to see it on Friday. We already had Nick go to see it on Monday. And then on Friday, Jonathan Bailey went and... Yeah, and then on closing night when we were there... Um... We actually saw Catherine Drysdale was there, who plays Genevieve Delacroix, and Sabrina Bartlett, who viewers will remember from season one, uh, Sienna. They were there together supporting Luke in his final show. It was really great to be at the closing night. The company have done such an amazing job the entire run. And yeah, I was so glad that you got to see it, Veg. Yeah, I really liked it. And not that I didn't believe you, but... I think that I can confirm for everyone that Luke genuinely is a great actor and you definitely haven't seen the best of him in series one and two. Like, yeah, because we've not seen him in that kind of leading role before, have yeah, we? Yeah, but he was so good. He can cry on cue. He can show great breadth of emotion. <laughs> Just, no, but seriously, made me genuinely excited. But yeah, it was a really enjoyable play um, and it was nice to hang out with Ops as well. Speaking of Luke, he also attended an event earlier, just sort of a press event for Wimbledon X Evian, or multiplied by Evian, um, the water brand. Uh, <laughs> it's like a cross. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he attended with Corey from Queen Charlotte as well. It's sort of nice though, it's sort of like a handing of the baton over to Series 3 promo from the QC focus that's been on the socials. So that's very exciting. Also, Nicola went to Wimbledon, so another crumb from Wimbledon. <laughs> All the Bridgerton actors are there in full force this week. But we also had an extra crumb from Nick. So previously we talked about um, the fact that she'd said that they broke a piece of furniture and we sort of speculated what that might be. But we had a little more detail from a clip. She said, mm-hmm. we were filming a very important scene, something that happens in the books and we break a piece of furniture. So that narrows it down a little for us. I guess we don't know what the scenes are that are and aren't in the books, but... What could it be? It's like we're, we're getting tiny little clues about this anecdote. Yeah. So what do you think it could be? Obviously, when we talk about important scenes, everyone kind of went carriage, but I don't think carriage counts as a piece of furniture. No, I'm the same. I don't think you would refer to the carriage as a piece of furniture. You would say a piece of set, even if it was just the bench yeah. in the carriage. I don't think you'd call it furniture. <laughs> I do have a slight theory. I think this might be the sofa from Violet's drawing room because we already know from Nick. Well, she's already said that we are getting the you're my mess scene in some kind of shape. It'll be slightly different, I'm sure, from exactly how it is in the books. But we know that that scene is definitely in. And a, so- um, a sofa is definitely a piece of furniture. I do agree. I think a piece of furniture... Also, side note, just how I love how we're just, like, analysing everything. We're like, right, what exactly? Which items <laughs> from Dunelm could this feasibly be? <laughs> like, yeah. We've got nothing but time ahead of us. And, this, and it's gonna be, we're going to be in the wilderness weeks. I'm picturing <laughs> chaise longue, yeah, te- chaise teal colour with little legs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. lean too far over on one and they weren't necessarily like getting hot and heavy 
to break the furniture. I guess it was kind of implied. She needs to be clumsy. Yeah. But gentle listeners, we will keep you fully updated on this yeah. mystery as the yeah, months unfold. Absolutely will. <laughs> and in terms of crumbs, that's pretty much where we're at this week. Is that everything, Veg? That's everything. I'll stick with you to provide the Lady Whistledown summary, but I will otherwise have to depart. That's very kind of you. (laughs) So as I said earlier, we're going to be continuing our pollen rewatch of season one, and we're jumping into episode two now, Shock and Delight. Lady Veg, who is coming to us from elsewhere in the ether, please can you give us our episode summary before we head in? Dearest gentle listener, in this episode... Daphne and Simon continue with their fake courtship. As news of Marina's pregnancy rocks the Featherington household, Penelope and Eloise search for answers of their own. Nigel Burbrook's ultimatum forces Violet to take matters into her own hands. And Simon's background is explored through a series of flashbacks, revealing difficult truths. Thanks, guys, and good luck with the rest of the episode. Thanks for that, Veg. And so, are you both ready? It's a bit of a weird episode, this one, I have to say, and it's very different to the debut episode. Um, Penn and Colin, obviously, are not the main characters, mm-hmm. um, and they don't actually share any screen time together. So we have to kind of go hunting for a little bit of our pollen content. But there is still quite a lot to dig into. What I will say about this episode is it's a pretty good Penelope's episode. So we get to spend a bit more time with them than we did last episode, and we kind of see their dynamics a bit more. And you know what? Girls are on a mission this week. It's time for some sex ed. <laughs> Are you ready? Love it. <laughs> so we're going to start off the episode over at the Featherington house, where they're all sat together in the drawing room. Archie is reading paper, doesn't give a shit about his family. Portia is checking out her reflection in a spoon, which is probably my favourite shot of the entire episode, where we get to be yes. the perspective of a spoon. Yes, I call this the spoon mirror scene. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Beans, you mentioned last week that you're quite the Polly Walker fan. Yes. Is this a shit you live for? It is a shit I live for. She's just so good. She's like so good at being... She's amazing. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, Polly Walker has done so well with this character and I like every tiny thing she does just makes sense for her, you know? Because she could be such a flat character, couldn't she? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she could be very black and white. And I think what this show really explores is that people aren't black and white. There's all sorts of great, especially if you're a Feddington. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And it's these tiny little moments, like these little scenes with the family, where you see the family dynamic of, you know, Archie couldn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. The girls are there kind of like bickering and gossiping. And she's the one holding everything together. Yeah, yeah. Um, Her and Vale, obviously. And it's like, even in her own home, she feels like she needs to be put together. Because that's she, a good observation. Yeah, because she's the only one who takes care of everything. And cares about the appearances, too. Exactly. She's super interested in the appearance. Mm-hmm. She's always preparing for battle. Mm-hmm. Because she's always been fighting to be viewed as a Bridgerton. Right. Mm-hmm. Taken seriously. Yeah. Yes. I, oh, God. I do wish we had more backstory. I hope we get it. I'd kill for a... A Polly Walker season? Oh. Can you imagine? Yes, that would be so um, good. Because, so in this opening scene, it's a really small scene, but um, the girls are kind of talking over each other. It's a bit more of like a sibling bond that we've seen before with the three of them. And Porsche kind of says, what are you talking about? And they all kind of make Pen the sacrificial lamb yeah. and say, Penelope is wondering about Marina's condition. They haven't quite figured out what's going on with her. And Vali reveals that the girls know about the pregnancy and Portia is not best pleased. And Penelope, our curious, lovely Pen, starts asking if there's going to be a baby. And 
Portia kind of like loses her mind and she turns to her husband and she's like, are you hearing this? Mm-hmm. Are you hearing what the girls have been exposed to? And again, like he doesn't give a shit. Now, obviously in, our, in the next few episodes, we'll see where she takes that and the kind of moral implications of what she does with that kind of panicking, trying to protect her family, trying to scrape their futures together. And in both seasons that calls her choices, but just a little early Portia appreciation to get us started. But so we do find out that Marina's been kept away from the family and Pem wants to know why. And this kind of question as to what's happening is really gonna kick off certainly most of the Pen storyline for this episode as she tries to figure out with her bestie Elle exactly how a woman comes to be with child. Just want to give a shout out to the look on Penn's face when Portia says that Marina's condition is catching. (laughs) We're going to have to put her still on social media. She's just horrified. There are quite a few moments in this episode where both Penn and Eloise are both absolutely traumatised by everything they're discovering. (laughs) So Penn does what anyone would do when we need to find out a bit more gossip. She goes to her besties. Um, So the next scene we have them is Elle and Penn on a promenade together. Um, So Elle's kind of busy updating Penelope on Daphne's love life. Um, Elle's really disparaging about Daphne. She's not really accomplished anything. Mm-hmm. We hear about how Eloise wants to go to university for the first time. And we really get to see her disdain for marriage and the society and the line, fill her up with babies. Again, mm-hmm. a little bit traumatising. Yeah. But what I like about this moment of them promenading is that Elle is talking and talking and talking. She's got all these big energetic ideas and Penn's kind of walking quite quietly alongside her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is setting up And we'll see it later in the episode, again, the differences that the two of them have in their relationship and how they see the world, they're best friends. Mm -hmm. But I do think they see the world in very different ways. Mm -hmm. And we know that that will push them together sometimes, that will pull them apart. Okay, so Eloise in this scene says, we have accomplishments to acquire. That's why, Mm -hmm. you know, she wants to find out how they cannot get pregnant if they're Mm -hmm. unmarried. And she just assumes that Penelope feels the same way, that Mm -hmm. she has accomplishments to acquire when secretly Penn might want to marry and you know is secretly in love and that yeah that just yeah. emphasizes the the conflict we'll see between them and I, I love that about Elle because sometimes Elle assumes that they're both thinking the same things but I don't think it's because she's inherently dismissive of Penn at all mm-hmm. I think yeah. sometimes she maybe doesn't listen to Penn as much but we see here Penn is often the one being silent as well mm-hmm. yeah it's not that Penn is always trying to chip in and give her own opinion mm-hmm. they're both adding to this dynamic that they have but yeah, like you say, it's very much, we have something, uh, we have accomplishments. Mm-hmm. The mission this episode is we need to avoid this fate for us. Yes. Um, yeah. But Eloise does actually notice that Penn's not listening to, yeah. um, to what she's saying. And she kind of turns and she's like, you're not listening. Yeah. And this is when Penn confesses that she does know someone who's pregnant. There's right. a maid in the Featherington household. So a little lie there. Prepare to be scandalised. It's an unmarried maid. <sighs> How is this physically possible? How do you get pregnant if you're not married? The girls are going to find out. So don't worry, dear listeners, we'll get the answers to you. And because Eloise is no more informed about conception than Penn is, and we'll find out later in the season that Violet is a bit shit at giving uh, sex talks. It's not her favourite activity. Oh, yeah. I also, I did want to point out, though, where Penn and Eloise are walking when they're promenading is in Bath. Cool. And that will also... That exact same street will be seen in season three. <laughs> just a fun fact. Nice. And to add on to just the Penn and Eloise dynamic in general, I think unbeknownst to Eloise, it's very much a grass is greeter on the other side. Like, yes, Penn is living the freedom that Eloise wants secretly. She doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. However, Penn is longing for the tradition that Eloise has. I think that's a big thing with 
the two of them is that they both have things that each other desires. Yeah. And Penn is well aware. Eloise, no idea. <laughs> yeah, and, and Penn's going to say it later on when they have their conflict that this episode starts to sow the tiny bits of their conflict that they have mm-hmm. in a later episode mm-hmm. where she tends, tends to say not everyone can be a pretty Bridgerton, which is all Penelope has wanted to be her in entire life. Right. Is Bridgerton. Um, but that's part of friendship, especially at this young age that they're both 17. It's it's fun to see this episode, their closeness, but also the, the funny little quirks that both have and the journey that they're going to go on yeah. as friends. Lecky, just before we move on, do you want to talk about Penn's outfits that she's been wearing the past few scenes? How's she looking? So I actually have a controversial opinion about this. Um, I actually kind of like this dress. And I'll, ju- I'll just clarify that I love it when she's sitting down in the previous scene, when she stands up and starts walking, the, the flower like overlay kind of like splits in a way that I feel like isn't as attractive. But when she's sitting down, it's I actually really love the dress. It's like colorful. I could live without the feathers in her hair. Mm. So could Penn, to be fair. <laughs> the, the necklace uh, is not my favorite, but I actually really like the dress. Obviously, the cut could be better, too. I keep, like, qualifying this. There's a bunch of conditions, but I do like the pattern on the dress. It's a little bit blue as well. That's true. There's some interesting colors that we don't often see her in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I give you it. It's not the worst we've seen her in. There's definitely worse, for sure. Now, how much that is a, a compliment or not, I don't know. But So, as we've seen... Penelope and Eloise on a mission for the episode. Let's go with them, see what we can find out. Eloise's first stop, she's going to go back to the Bridgerton house where we've got many, many collections of the alphabet sitting together, eating their breakfasts. Ben and Colin kind of having a jab with uh, Daphne of the attention she received at the party. I don't think either of their jokes are particularly funny. Sorry, Ben. Sorry, Cole. But I just call him Cole. Don't call him that. (laughs) Um, What can only be described as an iconic scene about to take place in front of us as Eloise with all the subtlety of a stampeding elephant (laughs) (laughs) with all the subtlety of a stampeding elephant bursts into the room and blesses us with an incredible line how does a woman come to be with a child Mm -hmm. Daphne stops playing the piano Violet has an instant migraine (laughs) Benedict and Colin trying not to die in the background Um, I think Violet is regretting ever having eight kids Um, (laughs) but we get a beautiful Colin moment so after being reprimanded by Violet, Elle kind of slinks in between her two brothers and sits down. She presumes that they both know the answer to her question, which is presuming a lot of Colin, bless his little heart. So she turns to ask her older brothers and Colin gives one of his greatest lines. Have you ever visited a farm, Elle? And we get Ben whacking her over the head in a moment of what can only be described as perfect Bridgerton sibling chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Violet kind of has a go at the boys I feel bad for Ben because Ben gets really in trouble here and he actually did nothing wrong this one is all Colin and then he stands up and announces in fact we're just heading off to take our sticks out Violet kind of turns again <laughs> Colin Bridgerton so Beans you've been making a list of all the advice they've gotten so far this episode I sure have it's a what list on how we have sex <laughs> <laughs> what's on the list on that list there are, there's a farm. We're doing it on a farm. And uh, we pull our sticks out. That's what I got so far. <laughs> then, yeah, Colin kind of smirks and walks off. And I, I love this little gesture that Benedict does since he's leaving too. He kind of turns to Violet and kind of like shrugs. <laughs> you know, this, it's just like a throwaway line, but it's that kind of playfulness that we get with Colin that, you know, yeah. I think we see it a lot in the books. And sometimes people 
maybe don't see it as much in the show. And a lot of that is to do with the difficult journey he goes on with Marina yeah. and how much that knocks his confidence. But I love these little Colin moments that get scattered throughout the season. Mm-hmm. I also think that, do you know when he kind of, he stands up and he, he kind of like smirks to Violet? It's that charming side where he knows that he can kind of get away with stuff. It reminds right. me a little bit of what Penn says to him in the books where she's like, you could probably get away with murder if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it's these little moments I'd love to see kind of being expanded. So whereas previously he's been a supporting character, we get to see that kind of humour on a kind of a, a more prominent side to him. Yeah, I'm excited because he did have some quips in season two, which of course we'll get to in the future. Especially about the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he still had moments where that like playfulness kind of bubbled to the top outside of his own insecurities, but I'm sure that they'll probably play more into that in season three, for sure. And I'm just so ready for all of his little sarcastic quips. Because they're both really good at one-liners, aren't they? Yeah. In fact, Penn, in, in another scene that we'll talk about later, she has one of my favourite interactions with Portia um, that we'll get to. And this is the thing we've talked about a lot with the comedy. When Jess Brownell, the showrunner for the season, she did an interview last year with Variety, just when the announcement had been made about season three being Penn and Collins. And she said that their characters where there's a lot of humour to be found with them. And mm-hmm. at first I was a bit like, I don't know that that was the first thing I'd have associated with them. But when mm-hmm. you watch their little moments, their asides, they're both very smart, very witty. I mean... And very sarcastic. Very sarcastic. And I'd love to see them jabbing at each other, playing with each other and everyone around them. Um, right. So yeah, one of the best little Colin moments that we have. Lucky, let's just discuss his outfit here before we move on because I think it's one of my favourites. <laughs> what are you thinking? I mean, it's a good outfit. Do you like it? Well, it's fine. I just like, I can't get over how similar he looks to Gregory in this scene and I feel like a lot during this season they try to dress him and Gregory similarly and we also see that in season two the baby blue jackets yeah Um, but yeah they're just trying to emphasize that there's this divide between him and his older brothers like the majority of the time it's almost like they're dressing him so that he seems like he's closer to his younger siblings Mm. (laughs) well an interesting one lucky because one of my favorite things about the way they they dress Colin is exactly what you say there's a lot of parallels with Greg uh, with Gregory and we'll try and point it out as we come I might make like a little montage for this episode but he's dressed very similarly. And it's like what you said about emphasising that for his family, he's definitely seen more towards the younger side. Mm -hmm. I think he falls within a really interesting place within his family because from the books to the screen, they they changed the ages, mostly just of him and Daphne. Everyone else has kind of stayed the same, but they put a bigger age gap between Anthony, Benedict and Colin. So now he's actually perfectly in the middle. So there Mm -hmm. is the... The age gap between Colin and Gregory is the same as the age gap between Colin and Anthony. And the age gap between Colin and Hyacinth is the same as him and Benedict. Middle child, unite! (laughs) Yeah. And he's 19 in this season. So if you think about it, it's really only within the past couple of years within his story that he would have been allowed to kind of hang out with his older brothers. Mm -hmm. I think we think of them very much through moments like this where he's playing around with Ben. We think of them as like ABC. But... I, th- I think that that's only something that would recently have been a dynamic. I think he used to be the oldest of the younger ones. Do you know what I mean? And A and B, which is something we explore in season two, had to take on a different role. I can't believe we just called them A and B. 
<laughs> you can see that in his yeah. behavior and the way they shoot certain scenes in this um, season mm-hmm. also. There's a scene later in this episode, but later in the season you see him sparring with Gregory. And then there's that scene yeah. where he's watching Gregory and Hyacinth like play on the on the floor while his like mom is yeah. talking to Daphne. I feel like mm-hmm. they're, yeah, they're trying to show that he's kind of tuned in towards his younger siblings. Um, and that there's a little bit of a divide between him and Benedict and Anthony. And it's a tension that will come up certainly in this season and in next season and that is something I really want us to dig into season three where he really understands his place within the family and he's seen more as an adult than he is. But Colin aside you can't help but feel sorry for Elle she's still not received a clear answer but now she knows that farms and sticks might be involved. So we're building up our sex ed class. We're getting there, we're getting there. So we're actually just going to have a little segue here. We're going to leave Penn and Colin wherever they may be. Because a little while later, Daphne and Violet are arguing with Anthony about the whole, you know, the whole main plot of this season <laughs> that we just keep brushing past. So Simon, the Cetas, Nigel. Um, Violet is there trying to insist, like, she's charmed a duke. This is the real deal. Mm-hmm. And Lek, what does Anthony say? During his argument, he implies that Penelope and Colin danced multiple times at Vauxhall, by the way. Not just the ones. We've only seen one. But it's implied that they may have... Released the footage. Right. <laughs> but he states that it, quote, does not signify. So Anthony batting zero for two by the time season three rolls around. But yeah, but it's possible they danced more than once at Vauxhall. And if you really want to read into this, there's an interesting moment where you the camera cuts to Daphne, which suggests that she also saw them mm-hmm. dancing too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I did make a note that Anthony will be the most surprised outside of Colin about the two of them falling in love. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Colin, bless his heart. I think this is maybe one of the only times beyond when Elle kind of has her jabs at Colin that anyone in the family kind of acknowledges any sort of interaction between Penn and Colin, right? Yeah. Because they have a friendship, especially in season two, but I don't think anyone recognises it beyond Elle. And Elle very much sees it as oh my god, my big brother's always just annoying you with conversation. Right. Antony's never even had a scene with Penelope, from what I recall. So, yeah, this mm-hmm. is like maybe the only time he, he references um, Penelope apart yeah. from the, the Featheringtons. And if Violet does notice, it's not necessarily in the forefront of her mind because, mm. as we know, she's going to have two other Bridgertons she's got to deal with in terms of marriage. And neither of them are easy. You know, they all know. And like you say, Colin is pretty much the last to figure out. Colin and Elle will be the last to figure out. They all kind of know, Mm -hmm. which is more how it was in the books that, you know, Violet always kind of held a torch for them too. Um, Benedict certainly kind of knew in the books. Anthony made that joke about they'll be married within the year. Colin and Penn were very much the last people to kind of figure that out. But in the show... I don't know. It would be nice. It would be funny if everyone kind of did know, but I don't think anyone does know in the show. I don't think anyone suspects. I think Violet already knows. I think that Violet has always held a, like a little Kindle for Pen, and we'll figure that out in season three. I think that yeah. she definitely has a soft spot for Pen and Colin being together. But like I said, it's not her main concern. It's not main focus. Yes. You know, within the world of the show and the Regency, Colin is incredibly young. Yes. To be thinking about marriage. There's a big age gap, obviously, between Daphne and Simon, but that's kind of part of the world, part of their society. Whereas Colin is so, so young that maybe, like you say, Violet is holding that in the back of her heart, and like a little, maybe the two of them will get together. Yeah. Um, 
but it's definitely not at the forefront. Yeah, I'm sure we'll learn more about that in season three and based on the portrait of Violet and Edmund, it seems like they're exploring parallels between Mm -hmm. those two relationships and the the comment she makes later this season about marrying your dearest friend. I think I've said it before, but I do hope that Benedict is the first one to figure it out because it harkens back to a beautiful moment in um, An Offer from a Gentleman where Penelope overhears Colin talking to his brothers. Benedict turns, sees her, and Mm -hmm. he realises it instantly. That, Pen- mm-hmm. that Penelope's in love with Colin. And I'd love if that was pulled on and that Benedict figured it out. So maybe he doesn't know now. Yeah. They're going to have to figure it out at some point. Um, <laughs> I also like the, the, the irony of him being able to recognise <laughs> right. that, that Pen <laughs> is in, in love. Because you want him to say shit like that, for don't you? For his season. You want him yeah. to be there mm-hmm. like, oh my God, Colin, what an absolute joke. Like, you've just tried to marry her after... Could never be me being that stupid. And obviously, he's just going to set himself up for failure. Especially if he, he calls Colin blind or something. That would yeah, just be... yeah. I want all the kind of like, you couldn't see he was right in front of you. <laughs> that would be great. Like, if he's season four, that would be great to have all of those parallels. This is a ding, 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 Beans prediction. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Is that Violet will feel a certain way first. Benedict will notice first. And I would love like violet and ben just like looking at each other like in a ball like giving themselves the knowing nod you know Mm -hmm. um but to parallel perhaps ben being season four if he is um yeah just him being like oh you're so blind you're so blind would be so good Mm -hmm. um because it'll totally i think be a great segue into his season because each of the leads have a tendency to do something or say something yeah. that sets them up for the next. So at the end of season one, we had that scene where Anthony was like, I'm going to find my Viscountess. Love doesn't mm-hmm. factor into it. Off mm-hmm. I go. Um, obviously, did Colin do anything in season two that, that set him up for failure in his season? I can't recall. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. No, he, he said something stupid that set him up for his season. So I guess that whoever is next, be it Elle or Ben, are going to say something. And it would be nice if that was Benedict kind of ripping into his brother. Because he's going to be having a hard time too, you know, being out of Mm -hmm. art school. He's got to have fun with it. Yeah. So we're off now to the Featherington house. And Marina is still under quarantine from the rest of the family, you know, being knocked up and all. But we have this scene where Penelope kind of slips into the room to, to sneak Marina some sweets and cake. It's really sweet. I do love the relationship that the two of them have very early on. And they, they do get back to it in the end, I think, where they're kind of allies to start with in the house. And Penn's never really had an ally. So she kind of comes in to check on Marina. Beans, I've got a question for you. Oh, oui, oui. That is me. She's wearing a little green dress, if you notice. I mean, it's, yeah. it's Jen, it's not fitted amazingly, Genevieve. Um, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but it's this kind of green, sparkly number. Her hair's all curled and piled in a traditional pen style. Mm-hmm. I think when we originally watched this episode, we just thought, just another pen dress. It's green, which is always noticeable for a bit of um, pollen foreshadowing. Yep. But can you tell us what happened to us early this year with this dress? Right. Truly the comeback that no one saw coming. Take it away, Beans. So we will be seeing that dress again. Who'd have thought it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Our reduce, reuse, recycle, bitches. We live a sustainable queen. <laughs> yes, sustainable queens in Bridgerton. <laughs> That's one argument you can make for um, the return of this dress. Penn is a morally flawed character, but at least she cares about the environment. Mm-hmm. They're so sustainable. I mean, Violet gives out her dresses to the extras sometimes. She does. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that 
Those are good dresses. <laughs> They're great dresses. And mm-hmm. it's so kind mm-hmm. of her to be like, have my dress that I no longer wear this season. <laughs> Last season's wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is the same dress that we will be seeing in season three, episode one. Um, going back to kind of our like prediction, she does end up in like a green dress in the beginning. Like when we we're talking about Tuda and stuff. Mm-hmm. So this was, Beans, correct me if I'm wrong, this was January? It was back in January, mm-hmm. so very cold. Yeah. What you will notice is there are a little bit of differences on the dress. Um, there's, like, embellishments to the neckline, um, which is something that we have seen is going to happen in other dresses that she's wearing. Um, for instance, the Lord and Lady Whistledown photo. Again, she has embellishments on her dress, so I think that, like, that little flower yeah. thing is going to be something that sort of repeats itself in her transition. So in Bath, they were doing, again, correct me, but um, Pick up. it was a bit of a funny one because we knew that there was going to be a big filming production in Bath because right. it's not so, so it kind of takes over the town a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, they do use it a lot. We've already seen Bath in this episode. Yes. Um, and by January, they should have been working on kind of block four. Right, so okay. when a lot of filming leaks came out from this part of filming, do you want to just talk a little bit more about where they were, what we think was being filmed? Ah, sure can. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> so I think there is a lot of confusion with this. Some people, when they were saw, seeing it again, they're like, that's not a transition dress. That's not a glow-up dress, you know? And it's not. What typically happens with um, filming locations, specifically in, like, London and Bath itself, is that they're so busy with, like, other filming and people living their life. So typically what happens is they do something called pickups there. So the um, crew will basically block off an entire week to do all the scenes that they need to do for season three in that week. Mm -hmm. So they were filming episodes one... they were also filming two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight in that entire week. So that's why there is a little bit of confusion. It's just while they try to stick to the block schedule, location does sometimes play a little bit of a factor, which can have them um, filming kind of out of order. Out of order, yeah. So yeah, it's usually in numerical order, except when it comes to maybe on-site filming in places like Bath and other locations in the future. If that makes sense. Yeah. For this particular location, I believe Queen Charlotte was shooting in Bath yes. in the summer mm-hmm. when they when season three first started. So that's probably why they pushed it to the end of the, the shoot. So the scene the scene where Penelope was wearing this green dress was outside the Featherington's front house. So that's number one Royal Crescent in Bath. Mm-hmm. And the Featherington carriage was there and we saw Portia and Penelope get out this carriage. Mm-hmm. And it looks that we will post the photos, but it looks like this is Penelope returning from the countryside, like Nick mentioned last week. This is her return back. And what was brilliant about the filming links that we could see is that as she kind of gets out, um, all the maids are there waiting for her, um, all the staff are outside. Portia kind of goes up the stairs and Penelope gets out of the carriage, walks up to her house, and she has this incredible smile on her face. We mentioned mm-hmm. it earlier in, um, I think maybe last week, when we talked about Doom and Penelope's state of mind when she comes back. And she, she's come back with a plan. Yeah. And what was great about the filming leaks again is... As she arrives, it looks like she's timed it. So the moment she gets back to London, her first edition of Lady Whistledown is already out. So she's surrounded by... She's like, I'm back, bitch. 
I know mm-hmm. that I'm the head bitch here. I think Nick has said that before. She knows she's the HBIC in London. Speaking of rewearing clothes, I think like the extra right behind her who's holding the Lady Whistledown issue yes. is wearing like one of Colin's baby blue coats or, or yeah. something that looks very similar. Portia is also wearing a dress that she has worn before as well. That kind of... Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because... You know, the Bridgertons have given all of the uh, Tons people their <laughs> their previous clothes. Yeah. But the Featheringtons are wearing clothes that they've worn in the past. So maybe this is a hint at some... Um, Beans, yeah, do you think that this is the costume department reusing the outfits just to save money? Um, because, you know, and to make money and time because there's got a lot to, to do for the show. Do you think that they're just hoping that we didn't notice that they were the same outfits and they've kind of redressed them, re-embellished them to make them look different? Or do you think the Featheringtons are in some financial trouble and Porsche's trying to cover it over by adding a few embellishments? Yeah. I mean, as we know, they make so many costumes on the set. Um, and so this could definitely be them just, like like I said, reduce, reuse, reset, recycle. But maybe after all this stuff happened in season two, they're still struggling. Or at least, like, they're making enough to get by, but maybe not to get new dresses. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that is coming down to, like, they're, like, a a working-class family of the Ton, which is really hilarious because nobody in the Ton is is working class, but... You know. All the departments on the show put like so much thought and just mm-hmm. all the pieces here. And yeah. I feel like they do probably have some sort of reasoning in their, in their head. Like, oh, the Featheringtons would reuse some pieces because even if they have kept some of the money from um, Cousin Jack's scheme, their Porsche's probably used to struggling financially. Yeah. Right. And like we think that they've um, hired a new maid for yeah. this season for, for Penn or for somebody in the household. Um, but yeah, Portia could still be in the mindset that I need to save where possible because they, you know, Cousin Jack has left. They're kind of back where they started. To bring it back to this episode, I think, you know, they could, if they're going to put Penelope in an old outfit, there's so many they, they could choose from. But I think it's interesting that they pulled it from this episode because this scene is Penelope being very childlike. She doesn't know. She's innocent. She's naive about the world. She's hearing from mm-hmm. Maureen about love. And, and it's a very infantilizing dress, the way it's cut. To put her back in that at the beginning of season three, I think Nick, in one of her, um, in, in a couple of her interviews this week, actually, during Tadum, she said that season one was Penelope being a girl. Season two was yeah. not quite a girl, not yet a woman. And season three is her as a woman. So to, to return yeah. to London forced mm-hmm. into this dress which makes her a child mm-hmm. and she's going no I'm not having this I'm finding a husband I'm getting out of this that's such a mission and honestly it's one of the reasons why the, the filming leaks from Bath which we will put up on our Instagram and TikTok and stuff I just think she looks incredible mm-hmm. yeah because the dress doesn't fit it's it's childlike whatever but the expression on her face is just I think Nicola does such an amazing job of she's back mm-hmm. she's got a plan and she's ready, and I think she looks ready. Yeah. Yes, definitely. That was quite a diversion from the scene, but... <laughs> yeah, back yeah. to cake. In this this scene, which is a conversation between Penn and Marina about, um, you know, Penelope's trying to find out on behalf of Eloise as well, you know, how did you come to be pregnant? And she doesn't know, and she's kind of got this naive look of the world. And they sit down together in the room and they share this cake and they talk about Marina's past. And Marina talks about her relationship with George Crane. And there's a great, a great line where Penelope's like, how did it happen? And she's like lifting this slice of cake to her face. And Marina just goes, cake, 
and Penn's face. <laughs> she's like about to say goodbye. She looks down at the cake. She looks down, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? Beans, are you adding this to your list? <laughs> yeah, I am. I said, in a farm with sticks while eating cake. <laughs> it sounds like a dream, to be honest. <laughs> well, and you know what? The, the theme of cake, actually, sorry, listeners, these are the details that we're going into. So there is some slight cake foreshadowing here. If you remember from the sixth episode of season two, um, during the purpose scene, Colin and um, Penelope, literally right after Colin says, I'm beginning to believe that now, there's kind of this like um exclaim from the crowd and the extras are all ooing and aahing about this cake that's being cut in the background on um like this table that looks like a carriage by the way yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) but anyway so they're cutting cake and then colin says it appears we had better nab a piece of cake before it's all gone because cake plays such a significant role in this scene um, and kind of in Penelope learning about sex and love. Love is a big focus of the conversation in this scene. That could be foreshadowing for their season. Cake is love, cake is life. And, you know, the other thing to really point out about this scene, I think, is, you know, Marina is recounting her story of how she fell in love and everything like that. And you can see Penelope just is soaking it up. She's such a romantic at heart and she's kind of living their story. And it turns out that George is fighting in Spain, but he continues to write and Marina pulls back her duvet and there's all of these letters, these love letters between the two of them. And the expression on Penelope's face as she sees these letters, she kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, Beans, how would you describe it? She she does light up. I get, again, I think it like, in a way, it kind of parallels Colin and Penn's relationship because they write yeah. letters. He travels, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to die in war, but... <laughs> You know, there is that parallel there. So here we're setting up where Penelope is is hearing this romantic story yeah. that she's so invested in, and she sees these letters, and in her mind she's connecting that as like one of the most romantic things. Mm-hmm. So next season or later in between seasons when they write to each other, you can kind of understand where she gets a little bit carried away with her expectations yeah. between her and Colin. Mm-hmm. I think Colin probably fed into that as well in his own ways, right? She had such high hopes that got built up of their correspondence. And I think it's moments like these that are so formative. You know, she's going to ask and to learn about love and sex and marriage and all that. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see where the letters. So it's the first time we're hearing about it. Marina says, you know, it starts while eating cake, then they pass letters, and then it was love. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. Penn's trajection. She says that George quote, went off and, quote, continued to write. And that's what Colin does. He leaves and he writes to her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, pen. (laughs) Oh, my heart. We're just going to head back over to a flashback. So in this episode, and I'm going to mention this later, in this episode, there are quite a few flashbacks to Simon's childhood. And there's this really interesting scene between Lady Danbury and young Simon where they're talking about his stutter. We don't know yet how much Lady Danbury is going to be a part of Penelope and Colin's story. In the books, we know she has a huge role. But the scene here, which is talking about Simon and Lady Danbury, it feels very, very, very like laden down with symbolism and imagery that you can't quite help but connect to Penelope. Mm-hmm. And Lady Whistledown. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, there's definitely some parallels between Lady Danbury and, and Penelope and also just her Lady Whistledown alter yeah. ego here. 
She says, quote, when I was a girl some centuries ago, I was afraid even of my own reflection. I entered a room and attempted to dissolve into the shadows, but there's only so long one in a position such as ours can hide. I knew I would have to step into the light someday, and I could not very well be frightened. So instead, I made myself frightening, I sharpened my wit, my wardrobe, and my eye, and I made myself the most terrifying creature in any room I entered. Come, you can speak. But you must promise me that when you step into the light, you will be worthy of the attention you command. So This is really interesting. Yeah, like what will this mean for Penn to step out of the shadows mm-hmm. and become worthy of the attention she commands? And I think a lot of season three will revolve around Penn finding her own voice and refining Lady Whistledown's voice so that she's no longer compartmentalizing them or keeping them as separate identities so she becomes one person even with information that we've got in the past week from to doom the imagery of lights and shadows seems to be really really a core theme um i think jess brownell the showrunner last year in that same interview with variety that we mentioned before she said that a lot of the season is them stepping into their light finding each other stepping out of the shadows because they're both kind of living in shadows in different ways even colin within his family he hasn't really taken that forward step um, so there is a lot of imagery around light. So hearing this passage from Lady Danbury, it feels very, very pen-coded. I do want to say, if I'm remembering it correctly, I do believe Lady Whistledown in the beginning when they read uh, in last year's To Doom, there's a very similar line to Lady Danbury's speech. It opens, At last London's smart set has made its return, and so too has this author. As the season begins, the question on everyone's mind is, of course, which newly minted debutante will shine the brightest? So the, the idea of light again, and I think the the quote that Nicola said, Penelope knows she has to step into her own light and she's going to struggle with that. And from what Lady Danbury was saying here about she, she sharpened her wit, well, we've already seen how Penelope tries to refine her writing skills, but maybe she needs to do that in, you know, she doesn't have the confidence to verbalise that, especially around men and mm-hmm. her lack of confidence. So she needs to sharpen that in person and be her own voice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. she's going to sharpen her wardrobe. We know that that's one of her first priorities when she gets back to London. Um, so, Lek, I really agree. It feels very, very symbolic with Penn. And yeah. I really do hope that they have a relationship because I think Lady Danbury, I, I just love what Ajoa does with her in the show. Yeah, You can tell that she would love Penelope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that she'd really, especially after watching Queen Charlotte and, and seeing a bit more about how younger Lady Danbury was, I think she's going to really identify with her and take her under a wing and challenge her. I think that it'll be one of those things too, maybe, where like Lady Danbury will also be one of the people who notices Colin first, because you know, and she'll realize kind of what he's doing and then take Penelope under her wing as well. Um, And it might like, Colin might feel a little bit threatened by that. Well, that, that's what happens in Rance to Mr. Bridgerton is yeah. she, like Lady Danbury knows that she's a force. And there are a few scenes where Colin goes up to Penelope even when she's around Lady Danbury, right? And right. Lady Danbury's like, she's a smart one, that one. And he's like, yeah, I know. And he's really proud of her. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think Lady Danbury could see it. Mm-hmm. Especially because she didn't really see it properly with Cantony. Yeah. And there was like a bit of inaction and muddling up that mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be nice to kind of see Lady Danbury kind of see it, spot it and and push it forward yeah and she's interested in matchmaking we know that right she loves it she loves Gosh. it and it's the wallflower and mm-hmm. between violet and lady danbury i think a lot of penelope can be found within within to be fair the three matriarchs that's a lot of penelope is lady danbury yeah uh, lady bridgerton and lady featherington yeah 
She's certainly a force to be reckoned with. So we're all hoping that Lady D will be involved, for sure. Mm-hmm. The last big kind of pollen scene of the episode is probably the next day. They All, all the families go to High Park for a promenade. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Penn and Colin don't interact here, but we do kind of see them both with their, with their respective families. There's just a quick, cute scene where you see Colin, Anthony, Hyacinth and Gregory playing together. But it's like what you were saying, Lucky, earlier about how he's a really good brother. He's always kind of watching and playing with his siblings. But what this also reminded me of is later on in the season, Marina is going to justify some of her actions by saying that Colin is going to make a really good father. Mm. Um, and she actually, and I know she's not here on this day, but she mentions that he's really good with his younger siblings. So this quick shot of him playing with his siblings is kind of setting that up too. Um, and we're going to see it in a few other episodes, like you were saying about him like boxing with Gregory and watching over the kids. And it's just threaded through very, very subtly that Colin is really good with kids and would probably make a really good father. And that is going to come into the justification later for why she kind of chooses and sticks with him. Also, if you look at the way that this um, shot was framed, Antony is facing his three younger siblings and they're all, you know, looking back at him. And like mm. Colin is on the side of his younger siblings. Like he's he's very much almost mm. playing with them. But yeah, so Colin doesn't really have much to do at the promenade, bless his little heart. Um, but Penelope is going to pop up in a second. So we're going to go to the Featherington tent and see how she's doing. First of all, what do you think about her dress? I, I actually kind of like this dress. Well, I mean, it's the best of this episode, I think. <laughs> I kind of like the flowers. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention this, but uh, I had in my notes that Colin's waistcoat in this scene, I believe it's the same one from the accordion scene from the first episode. Oh, look at that. Another sustainable king. <laughs> Maybe he, yeah, he, that's a clue that he's meant to be part of the Featherington family. Reduce, reuse, recycle. The thrifty Featherington. <laughs> it's meant to be. It's like, how do you know that we've been starved of content when we're like, <laughs> it's foreshadowed that they're together because they <laughs> Speaking of starved for content, where they are located will be in season three, babes. That's right. Where is it? It's this? another crow. From town, from town. <laughs> so there'll be another promenade, probably. Yes, then. there will be another. Well, this is in Paynes Hill Park, which... Is this a, is this Swan Park? Oh my goodness, you've got it correct. Ding, ding, ding. Babes. You've raised me well. <laughs> this is the one with all the tents. It's like the pollen colored yes, tents. Yes, so they will be filming this... Again, this is another place that's been used in every season, but in particular for season three, um, and we'll add it to our social media links. Yeah, so there will be sort of like a swan, like dance theme ball outdoor at Paynes Hill Park, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, So very excited to see what that will be. Didn't they also have like a big crane set up too? It looks like they're going to have like a really like a really great um, yeah. opening to that sequence, probably, with, like, overhead shots, kind of like at Vauxhall, like mm-hmm. when you were first arriving at Vauxhall. Mm-hmm. I saw some speculation it could be, like, a dream sequence. It sounds like for season three, they're re- and I think this has a lot to do with COVID, especially impacting season two, I think they're really just going to go all out. Yeah. Colin dreams of giant swans. Well, <laughs> look, Colin, someone needs to wake Colin up, right? So if the symbolism needs to get very, very blatant and huge in his face... Serves him right. We'll go with yeah. <laughs> in the theme of large swans on a dance floor. Yeah. But to return back to the promenade where they are today um we get what i was talking about earlier which is one of my favorite pen portia exchanges where i think everyone loves it where 
Eloise approaches, kind of gives it like a nudge, being like, come on, Pen. Pen turns to her mum and goes, Mama, I might I go play with Eloise? Yeah. And before she gets really annoyed, she's like, ladies, do not play Penelope. Penelope, as quick as anything, just goes, forgive me, Mama, might I go and promenade for suitors with Eloise? <laughs> and I just love how they just go toe-to-toe with each other. I think mm-hmm. Portia really recognises that aspect of Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just a great moment. What I do love about this little scene is Penn comes across as very, very young throughout the entire episode. Yes. Which is intentional, obviously, but I think Nick has such a brilliant way when she's acting with Penelope to manipulate Penelope's voice, depending on who she's talking to and what she's talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. And we can track this in future episodes because I think sometimes it's very obvious. Um and it's that kind of question is, how much do you think Penn deliberately acts young, deliberately acts naive about stuff like sex and marriage versus her genuinely just trying to adjust to being out in society and no longer being a child? Because mm-hmm. when when we see all of this, which is something we don't really appreciate in the first season, especially if you're watching this for the first time, is throughout all this naivety of her kind of like blinking and like talking in a high voice, she's still Lady Whistledown in every right. single moment. Like She's still going behind the scenes and pulling all the strings Mm -hmm. and I think in future episodes we see how her voice changes around Colin it changes around Eloise it changes dramatically when she's speaking to Jen I think that's the lowest it goes it's sometimes in the same episode and it's that kind of question that which version of Penn is the real one if if that even Mm -hmm. is a a concept and Mm -hmm. and at what moments is she being uh, what moments is her guard down because I think she acts a lot she lies a lot she pretends a lot yeah Putting on a facade. Yeah. I think the sort of naivety uh, thing she does for her mom, because I I know that, well, I don't know, but I presume that Portia does realize that Penn is very quick-witted and things like that, is something we all did as kids, though. Like, even now, you know, you play innocent with your parents, even though you know a lot more than you let on. So I think they're all versions of Penn. And this ties in well to the the scene we had earlier, with Penelope and Eloise, mm-hmm. but also the scene we're going to have now where Penelope is an, an active participant in the way people perceive her, I think. she, I think she knows that she's a wallflower, right? She is, and we're going to see her lack of confidence next season and everything. But I think she she tries to maximise that potential. You know, the, the whole thing about Lady Whistledown comes from her being a wallflower. Yeah. And we see with her and Eloise that, yes, Eloise can kind of dominate conversations sometimes, but Penelope kind of lets her to an extent. Right. And she she adds to the idea of what people think of her. So I think she tries not to show her hand to people like her mother, so her mother doesn't suspect her too much. Um, You know, if it benefits Penelope to act younger and act more naive in a certain scene, then she'll absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think there is a lot of genuine naivety in this episode because they're talking about things like sex, which they didn't have. Like, Penelope has innuendo in Lady Whistledown, mm-hmm. but I think at this stage she's still very, very young and unaware of... of um, well, we'll get to your list beans to see yeah. what they actually learn. <laughs> but I do love, I do love just pausing with the moments where she's talking to different people and and listening to a voice and seeing the act that she puts on, and it all builds up to the question, right? Of who, who is she really, and when is she being herself, herself the most? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think there's moments that you can point to, like the purpose scene in Two Six, where I think that's more of who she actually is because she's speaking yeah. from the heart and about her her dreams and her yeah. hopes and yeah, in that scene, yeah. Right. And it's kind of letting Colin in, especially after being so hurt. Yeah. I also think that she, regardless of everything that happened, um, I think that she revealed a large part of herself to Marina because she felt close to Marina. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's the mm-hmm. closest we got to really seeing Penn as she is. And I think the, the Marina Penn debate gets very tangled up in the choices they both made. Yeah. But I've always really, really loved the genuine relationship they had to start with. Mm-hmm. And that they, they found each other amidst it as well. And in the end, the way they left each other, I think, yeah, they, I think Penelope really genuinely had an affection yeah. for Marina and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So... Penelope is allowed to go promenade for suitors with Eloise, and they kind of swap notes on their pregnancy research. Um, love isn't a good enough explanation for either of them because, you know, Penelope exists and there's clearly no love in her parents' relationship, which she's very actively aware of. And they talk about the, the fictional maid, and according to Penn, her maid is more sad than frightened. And you see this moment where Penelope's so excited because she's like, but there's still a chance they're going to run away and mm. they're going to be together and they're going to be in love and they're going to get married. And I think when you watch the, the different reactions that Penelope and Eloise both have in this moment, it ties very much into what we were saying earlier about the way that they, the two see the world and how it maybe isn't as similar as Eloise thinks. Yeah. So Penelope is like glowing at the thought of this beautiful romantic story because that's who she is. She's a true romantic and that's what she wants in her life. Mm-hmm. Eloise thinks the plan means that her life is completely over. <laughs> She's like, this is the worst thing that could happen to a woman. And, you know, we, we know that comes from Eloise's trauma as a child and stuff. But is these two best friends who have such a different viewpoint and that will come to characterise a lot of the tension between the two of them mm-hmm. where, you know, Elle is going to assume that Penn shares the same sentiments. Penelope kind of lets her to an extent and then lashes out and surprises Eloise. And a lot of the clashes that we see kind of come from this so it's it's really to kind of sum up the episode it's a really nice chance for the two of them to shine and their relationship yeah we don't really get Colin and Penelope having uh, much interaction but I think Penelope is is just up there as just being as important in Penelope's life and these early episodes are really kind of sowing the seeds for everything that's going to come later in this season you know we're going to see the Penelope fallout in this season the one in season two and then how it's going to play a huge part in season three as well yeah that kind of concludes most of the episode. I mean, bless his little soul. Colin, it's over at the Bridgerton tent when everything goes down with Bearbrook. But I mean, he, there's some really cute shots of him looking very outraged, but <laughs> there's not much. <laughs> He's not contributing much. And there's a lot of shenanigans where Lady Wistan helps solve the issue with Daphne. But going to kind of skip over that and kind of end the episode here. But Beans. Yes. Do you... You've been keeping track, right? Because you mm-hmm. wanted to do some learning today, didn't you? We all wanted to do some learning. Yes, I am a virgin soul, and I need to know. <laughs> what have you learned, Beans? I have learned, in order to have a child, you have to be in a farm uh, with okay. your sticks out um, while eating cake, and then you pass each other little notes under a, <laughs> a bench. And also... A dash of love. And that, my friends, is how you make a baby. (laughs) What a success story. Illuminating. Illuminating. Mm -hmm. Just pass that over to Daphne. Thank you, Beans. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Even though it wasn't very polyfocused, I think there's still quite a few things to um, to dig into. So, Lecky, do you want to take us through the whistle-ups and the whistle-dance? Yes. So, my whistle-up for this week is... Pretty much everything Colin does and says in the the farm scene, the Colin Bridgerton scene, where Eloise asks uh, how a lady comes to be with a child. Iconic. This is peak Colin. Yep. Peak chaos Colin. And what's your whistle down? 
my well so there's not really a a pollen low point for this episode unless you're counting the fact that they don't interact at all so (laughs) i've chosen a low point for a character we'll never see again (laughs) and that is the poor contortionist who has to suffer through the indignity of being licked twice by one of queen charlotte's dogs during her performance um in this episode i think that's hilarious but it's probably a low point for her. Is that when Charlotte's, um, the Queen is... She's reading Lady Whistledown, yeah. Yeah, and, and then there's this contortionist. I'm doing weird hand gestures to try. But yeah, and did she get licked? Yeah, twice. Mm-hmm, by her, one of the little dogs. She's like, yeah, she's like bent over backwards doing this like pose. Um, and this dog comes up and licks her arm twice. Very cute, but yeah, probably a low point for her. Um, so, overall rating, how are we feeling? I think, remember guys, that we rate out of bows. And the less number of bows there are, the better, because we've all seen enough bows in this show to last us a lifetime. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? Do um, we rate out of 10? I can't remember. It's out of 12. Um, yeah, because it looks like there's about 12 bows on that, that outfit. Um, I would say I would give this a 4, maybe? 4 out of 4 bows out of 12. I would rate this episode three bows, I think. The reason why is because, obviously, Polly Walker stole my heart. I really like the Marina and Penelope dynamics, and I like how her budding relationship with Marina is is going. Yeah, it's not my favourite episode, purely because there's not tons of problems, but I do love the Penelope's focus. I love that they both get a time to shine with their comedy, both um, Penn and Colin, and yeah, I think we are setting up a lot of Eloise. Yep, they both get iconic lines. Yes, they really do. And, of course, a great moment. Um, Anthony's It Does Not Signify. Yes. So I'm going to go with a five or six. It's, yeah, uh, it's a fun app. But that kind of concludes the episode. So thank you, everyone, who's joined us. We're going to post some of the photos that we've talked about, some of the points that we've talked about all over our social media. Um, so please visit us there and get involved in the conversation um, as we spiral into the next six months. Um, we'd love to have you there. Next time, we'll be discussing episode three of season one, Art of the Swoon. But in the meantime, where can everyone find us, Lek? You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at whatabarbpod. And come and join us on reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Bridgerton, which is a subreddit where you can find all of us on spiraling into forever as we discuss all things pollen. Thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll see you later. Beans, see us out. Does violin do 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 do